you're listening to the Killer Kind Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie Miller, as always. Welcome back, or welcome if you're new here. Real quick, I wanted to apologize for the sound of my voice. I'm a little under the weather, if you couldn't tell, but I wanted to get this episode out for you guys anyways. Something in the universe is seriously not wanting me to cover this case. I don't know whether to take that as a good or bad thing, but last week, part one, my power went out the night that I wanted to record. I it, I usually record the night that it goes out just because I do that, <laughs> but my power was out for over 12 hours, which sucked. And then this week I am sick, but luckily I am feeling better and I actually sound better, even though you probably can't tell. Now, I still might have actually pushed the episode out one more week, but I asked you guys on Instagram if you cared whether or not I sounded like this on the episode, and the majority said no. So, I hope you still enjoy it, and hopefully you can get through it with me. Um, But if you are not happy with my voice, then you need to take it up with the Instagram folks, or be sure next time to join Instagram or Facebook. That way you can be a part of those polls in the future. So if you are new here, please know that I don't sound like this normally, but I hope you can still enjoy it. And if you are new, I highly recommend that you stop this episode now and go back to last week's because this week we are diving in to part two of the Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard case. In last week's episode, we dove into the backstory of Dee Dee and her daughter, Gypsy, and There was a lot to unpack in that one, and it really paints a clear picture of just where the two were at when everything went down. And I wanted to say thank you to everyone that listened and to those that were very excited for me to cover this one. Like I said, it's one I've always wanted to cover, but more so now with everything going on. And yes, I'm still going to be vague for those that may have not realized what's going on surrounding this case recently. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's dive in to the rest of the Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard case. So last week we ended the episode with Gypsy's boyfriend Nick Godajan boarding a Greyhound bus to meet Gypsy as planned. They were meeting at a movie theater near where she lived. So that the two could meet for the very first time. Dee Dee was completely oblivious. She had no idea Gypsy set this whole thing up. The plan was for the two to run into each other during the screening of the newest Cinderella movie. Gypsy had bought Nick some nice clothes, hoping to impress her mother. And the two were hopeful she would like him enough to let them talk and I'm sure ultimately have a relationship. Because at this point, their entire relationship was online. However, the two were in love. In October 2014, Gypsy told her friend and neighbor Aaliyah that the two had talked about eloping and how they wanted to have kids together. So this was very serious, but they just wanted to get her mother on board. So in March 2015, Dee Dee and Gypsy arrived at the movie theater as planned. Gypsy is wearing a blonde wig. She often did wear wigs like this, especially when she would dress up and, and even when she and Nick would video chat or when she would send pictures because if you remember, Gypsy's head stayed shaved. Her mother would make sure to shave her head. She would often tell people that Gypsy had leukemia, so she kind of kept that story going despite Gypsy not really losing her hair. She just continued to shave it off. But anyways, she and her mom make their way to the theater, and not long after that, Nick enters the theater alone as well. 
Now, I don't quite understand the dynamic and what all occurred inside the theater, but the two did try to make conversation. But Dee Dee, surprisingly, or surprisingly not, wasn't happy with it. She wasn't having it at all. In the show, the act about this whole case, this part of Nick and Gypsy's story is shown as Dee Dee and her mom trying to find a seat. And when they do, Nick comes and sits directly behind them. Dee Dee then moves Gypsy to another seat, and then Nick ultimately just gives up. Now, in the Dr. Phil show, Gypsy said that her mom got mad because she was paying more attention to this guy than she was to her or the movie. But she still never once suspected that the two knew each other before this interaction, which was a good thing. I can't imagine how Dee Dee would have actually reacted had she known this whole thing was a setup. Now, Gypsy and Nick were able to speak to each other eventually. Gypsy said they made a plan for Nick to leave the theater, assuming he was going to get popcorn or something like that. And then once he left, she would ask her mom to go to the bathroom. Somehow, she convinced her mom to let her go alone because, as we know, Dee Dee went everywhere with her daughter. But luckily, she did, and their second little plan worked as well. They met in the men's restroom. The two did speak briefly before ultimately going into the handicapped stall and having sex. It's a little sad that this was their first interaction. I mean, Gypsy has never even kissed a boy, let alone gone any further than that. But here they are. They kiss and immediately have sex. I mean, I, I'm not too surprised. They were they were at that stage in life where, you know, your hormones are going crazy and plus you know, this has been building up for three years. I mean, I get it, I guess, but just not very romantic in any kind of way. After their moment in the bathroom, the two went back to the theater, and at some point, whether it was right after or after the movie ended, Gypsy supposedly tried to introduce Nick to her mother, but again, she wasn't having it. She said, no, 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 he is creepy. I do not like him. And she pushed Gypsy in her wheelchair and forced her to leave. They both ended up going back to their respective homes and continued their online relationship. However, it seems that Gypsy was angry at this point. She was starting to realize that there was just no escaping her mother's grasp. So she said she truly felt stuck forever. So she starts telling Nick everything that was going on and explaining how she's realizing that she's maybe not as sick as her mom was making her out to be. She knew she could walk despite being forced to remain in the wheelchair, but that was just the beginning of it. So here's this guy who is seeing the woman he loves trapped. A man with a bunch of different good and bad personalities, I guess you could say. Plus a man who was on the autism spectrum. He wanted to rescue his true love. So he starts telling Gypsy that he can be her savior He'll be her prince charming, basically a prince ready to rescue his princess. It's cheesy and it makes you a little nauseous, but we've all been there before, right? I mean, young love is a little gross looking back on it, but it feels as serious as these two were. You fall in love for the first time and it feels like the one. Nine times out of 10, you're thankful that they weren't, right? (laughs) But moving on. So these two are serious. They want to plan, figure out a way to be together. So they decide to come up with three plans. The first plan was for Nick and Dee Dee to meet and hopefully that she would like him enough for them to be able to have a relationship. And as we know, that didn't go as planned. 
It's unclear if any other plans were made for the two to meet, but they didn't get that far, as we all know and as we'll get into. Plan B was to murder Dee Dee and start a new life together. I mean, that escalated quickly, right? <laughs> then plan C was for Gypsy to get pregnant and for Dee Dee to be forced to accept their relationship. Now, I do believe Gypsy brought up the fact that she had met and spoke to Nick at the theater and she wanted to see him again. I say that because many reports claim that Dee Dee demanded that Gypsy stay away from him and she reportedly abused her daughter for weeks after this. This was one of those times that she physically hit Gypsy and then once again chained her to her bed and she ended up putting bells on her bedroom door so she would know if Gypsy tried to leave. All the while, she was yelling at her and just verbally abusing her, calling her a slut and a whore just because she said she liked this guy and just tearing her own daughter down. It blows my mind. It would come out later that Dee Dee found out about her daughter talking to boys online at some point prior to this, assuming it was the time that she smashed the computer with the hammer and threatened to do the same to her fingers, but Anyways, apparently there was a shed in their backyard that Dee Dee would keep Gypsy in sometimes as a form of punishment. She would lock her inside where there was just a twin bed and really nothing else. You can find pictures of the shed online. It was painted like cute and stuff, but it's literally like where a kidnapper would put their victim. I mean, this was not a happy place, but that was like Gypsy's home in general. Gypsy's home, or excuse me, Gypsy's room was decorated like a little princess room. It was pink. It had flowers on the bedpost. It was very childlike. Again, coming across as cute and happy, but it was likely a place of torture for Gypsy, really. And not just her home. That's the picture she was forced to paint in public as well. Young and happy despite her medical ailments. It's horrible, really. So after plan A didn't work, Gypsy ultimately decided they were going to go with plan B. They talked about this plan for about a year, so this wasn't a quick decision. They both thought long and hard about it. Gypsy would later say that they were going with plan B because she, not because she hated her mom, but because she wanted to escape her. And when asked why she didn't just jump out of her wheelchair and expose her mother, she said she couldn't. She didn't know what her mother would do if she did that. She doesn't really elaborate on this part, but part of me feels like she is saying that her mother would have seriously hurt her or maybe even killed her. I don't know if that's what she was thinking, but looking into this case, I think that's where this was headed. I mean, maybe Gypsy didn't think like that, but I certainly feel that Dee Dee couldn't have kept Gypsy the way that she was forever. It was either Gypsy exposed her mom or her mother kill her. I mean, that, that seemed like the only other options. I don't think there was a good ending here either way. And people wonder why she didn't just leave. You know, she was an adult at this point. But here's the thing. Gypsy was uneducated. She was basically brainwashed by this woman. She wouldn't have known that she could legally leave on her own without her mother. I mean, Gypsy was told that her mom filed paperwork to the police saying that she was mentally incompetent and maybe that was true maybe if she tried to leave she would have been forced to go back to her mother's home who knows and then god knows what would have happened 
So let's fast forward to June 2015. We're to the point where Nick and Gypsy's long-awaited plan is starting to come together. Their plans of Gypsy's escape took place over a year, like I said. Gypsy did dance around the question when asked if she ever directly asked Nick to kill her mother, but she basically says that she insinuated that that's what she wanted. However, in the Dr. Phil interview, she said that she spoke to Nick about it, and he said, let's talk to Victor. So, Gypsy said she talked to, quote, Victor and asked him to please kill her mother for her because she didn't, she couldn't do it herself. And if you remember, this is Nick's evil alter ego, and he said that he wanted to do it for her. There were some text messages that have since been released of their conversation leading up to the murder. On June 2nd, Gypsy said that she is 100% in. Nick asks why why she says that, and she says, because I finally allowed myself to accept that you're my everything. I will go with you and live our dream. On the 9th, Gypsy asked Nick if, quote, he requires just the gloves and knife. He referring to Victor in this case. Nick said, that side of me expects duct tape too to muffle her. Now, Gypsy had stolen the knife from Walmart. Apparently over the last year when they were coming up with these plans, she started buying stuff for each plan, like the knife. But she also stole some baby clothes just in case plan C was the way they were going to go. It would later come out that Nick ruled out Plan C because his mother wouldn't allow him to have a baby. Which, excuse me, it just shows his immaturity or really his mental state at the time. Nick was 26 years old in June of 2015, in case you didn't know. You should be able to have a baby at that age without any concern that your mom's going to get mad. But either way, that was what he was saying. So, Gypsy stole the knife for the murder plan. Plus, she provided the gloves and duct tape for Nick to kill her mother. She did claim that she had a brief change of heart two weeks prior to the murder. However, just two days prior, she changed her mind again after she had a big fight with her mom. Gypsy said the fight was over her feeding tube. She said that she didn't really need it anymore and asked if she could have it taken out. And her mother said no. On top of that, she was scheduled to have another surgery coming up, and Gypsy said, you know, like, I've had this surgery 20 times. Why do I need to have it scheduled again? Basically begging her mom to not make her have it done. I mean, who wants to have surgery in general? Nobody. But Dee Dee said, there's nothing I can do about it. This is what the doctor wants. It was at that point that Gypsy said she became numb to plan B. And felt that was her only way out. So on June 8th, Nick Godajohn made his way down to Springfield, Missouri from his home in Big Bend, Wisconsin. Which was about an eight and a half hour drive, probably a little bit longer on the bus. And a bus ride that Gypsy once again paid for. And she also paid for a hotel for him to stay in. On June 9th, Nick texts Gypsy and says, Dear, I should ask before he has to. Is your mom a light or deep sleeper? She said she is a light sleeper. Then he said, quote, okay, now he's excited. During this conversation, Gypsy said, Ruby said it's going down tonight. 
Ruby was her alter ego that Gypsy said she made up for Nick's alter ego, Victor. If you remember in part one, I mentioned that Gypsy had come up with her own alter egos or different personalities for all of Nick's different personalities. And in this case, Ruby was Gypsy's evil side, just like Victor was Nick's. After she said that, Nick asked how Ruby felt about this, in which Gypsy replied and said, she keeps me numb in order to cope and survive, which is just so sad. I mean, it's probably true. I'm sure she needed an escape, not just from the murder at this point, but for her life in general, until she was able to be free, that is. So moving on. On June 9th at 8.35 p.m., Gypsy texted Nick and said, I left the gloves outside. The front door and screen door are squeaky, so try to open it just enough to get in and close it gentle. She goes on to say, I'll hand him the knife and duct tape inside. It's pre-cut and ready. Now, there are some mixed reports of when the murder actually took place. When you Google it, it says the 9th, but there are a few different articles that claim certain text messages were on the 10th between the two prior to the murder. However, during the trial, Gypsy confirms the plan started the night of the 9th, but that the murder actually took place during the early morning hours of the 10th. And I'm just saying that just in case you look this up on your own. So, Nick arrived at Gypsy's home. She let him in the door. Gypsy said he was wearing dark clothing, a hoodie, and a scary t-shirt that had evil clowns on it. She said she handed him the knife and duct tape, and he already had the gloves, which were outside waiting for him, as we know. Once she handed him the murder weapon and duct tape, he told her to, quote, get your A-double-S into the bathroom now. That was the plan. Gypsy was not going to be involved in the actual murder. The plan was for her to hide out in the bathroom and cover her ears so she couldn't hear what was going on. So that's exactly what she did. She ran into the bathroom, shut the door, got down in a kneeling position, and covered her ears. However, covering her ears did nothing to help. It was determined that Nick snuck into Dee Dee's bedroom, climbed on top of her. She was lying face down on the bed at the time. And Nick started stabbing Dee Dee repeatedly in the back of the neck. She was startled awake and immediately yelled out for Gypsy. Gypsy said she could hear her mother call her name about three to four times. She could also just hear her screaming and then all of a sudden it went quiet. During her Dr. Phil interview, he asked if she wanted him to stop. If she wanted to run in there and stop Nick from killing her mother. And she said that she did, but that Nick had warned her that if she were to run into the room and try to stop Victor, then he might lash out at her as well. So, she could be hurt or killed. So, she decided that she could not do it, and she was too scared during the time of the murder. Too scared to even move, she said. So, she did nothing. She also said that a part of her wanted to save her during the time her mother was calling out for her help. Because she said there were good parts to her mom, but then at the same time, she thought it'll all be over soon enough and she'll be free to live a good life. So, again, she didn't save her mom. Dee Dee Blanchard was murdered that night at around 3 a.m. on June the 10th. Now, let's get into 
some disturbing parts of the case, which you're probably thinking, it's a little too late for that, Stephanie. <laughs> but it, it is, we're, you know, kind of already at the disturbing part, we're kind of get a little past it. However, it doesn't end there. So I apologize in advance for this next part. But Gypsy said that the two, while the two were planning the murder, Nick told Gypsy that Victor had two rules or two stipulations when it came to the night of the murder. One being, he wanted to use a knife to kill Dee Dee. The other being that he wanted to rape Dee Dee. Gypsy was fine with the knife, but she said absolutely not to the rape. Nick said that Victor wouldn't have it any other way. However, he did eventually say that it was either assault Dee Dee or it would have to be Gypsy. So, Gypsy said he could sexually assault her, but that he could not do it to her mother. Nick also told Gypsy that she needed to look a certain way that night. Victor wanted her to have red lips and red fingernails. However, Gypsy said she didn't have any red lipstick and she didn't have any red nail polish, so they agreed on pink for both instead. And not only that, she was to greet Victor afterwards completely naked. Now, I hate I even had to mention that. I hate I even had to tell that whole part of the story, but it explains what happened next. So once the murder was done, Nick, or Victor, if you will, made his way to the bathroom where Gypsy was hiding. The two had a um, code, sort of like knocking code, that when everything was good and it was time for her to come out, he would knock a certain way. So that's what he did, and Gypsy opened the door. She said that Nick was still holding the knife, and she was standing there completely naked as requested. She said that she was commanded to get a bandage for his finger that had been injured during the attack. After she helped take care of that, she was told to clean up the blood spots on the carpet, leading from Dee Dee's room to hers, which means it would have likely been his blood dripping on the floor. At some point after this, Gypsy claimed the two had sex in her bedroom. Both have since said it was forced, meaning Gypsy said it was forced on her, but at the same time, Nick is saying that she forced him to do it. There are text messages showing the two talking about the sexual assault, so I could see why Gypsy said it was forced. It's hard to understand Nick's side of that all, but then again, it's hard to understand Nick in general. Now, after the two had sex, she was told to call a cab to take them both from her house back to Nick's hotel. During this time, Gypsy claims that Nick went through her closet and picked out clothes for her to pack and take with her. Then, the two took $4,000 from the house, got in the cab, and fled the scene. Once back to the hotel, Gypsy said that Nick himself was back. He was no longer Victor. There is a video recording of the two in the hotel where Gypsy is pointing the camera at Nick and the two are just laughing and seem to be very happy. Not exactly sure when it was taken, but reports, some reports have said that the video was taken less than 24 hours after the murder, which only makes it that much harder to watch because at first you want to feel happy for Gypsy. I mean, seeing her that happy, even though you know she's probably never truly been happy before. However, knowing what this guy just did that she's sharing this bed with it's scary but it's sad it's a very good mix of emotions here now the two make the strange decision to mail the murder weapon gloves and 
duct tape, I think it was, all back to Nick's home in Wisconsin. She said it was so that the police wouldn't find the weapon at the house, but they should have tried disposing of it maybe, not sending it back to where they'll ultimately be living. But nonetheless, that's what happened. They mailed the murder weapon to his house. They stay at the hotel for a few days, and then they take a bus back to Nick's home, where they plan to live for a while until they can get their own house together. Four days go by from the time of the murder, and the two hear nothing about Dee Dee being found or anything like that. Don't quote me on this, but I remember hearing Gypsy say that she didn't like the thought of her mom being alone inside the house for that long, so she wanted someone to find her. Plus, she had mentioned she wanted her mom to have a proper burial. So, that's when they make another stupid decision to speed things up. Gypsy logged onto the Facebook page she shared with her mother, and she wrote, quote, That B, again, PG show as much as possible here, um, that B is dead. Then she added a comment under that, that basically explained what happened, how she killed Dee Dee. Not her exact words. I'm not going to even go there. But it said that he raped her daughter as well. Again, I'm not going to get into the exact words here, but you can look it up if you want to. It's disgusting and horrible to read, but that's up to you. So on the stand at Nick's trial, she explained that she was the one who made the post. Obviously, it looked like someone else had written it. So, I mean, really just like some random guy hoping to kind of deter the police from believing that it could be them. And it worked. Friends and family saw the post pretty quickly. Again, this family was respected and loved. They probably had tons of Facebook friends that had been following their story for years. So, soon after the post was made, neighbors started calling 911 to report the post and wanting someone to check on Dee Dee and Gypsy. They claimed that Gypsy couldn't walk, she was wheelchair-bound, and she had many medical issues, so they needed to move fast. On the evening of June 14, 2015, police entered the home of Dee Dee and Gypsy Blanchard after obtaining a search warrant. One of the first things they noticed was that there were a couple of empty wheelchairs in the home and that Gypsy was nowhere to be found, and this was obviously alarming. Then they found the unthinkable the lifeless body of 48-year-old Dee Dee Blanchard, murdered in her own bedroom. So at this point, police are panicked, and they know that they need to find this young girl. Here they have a deceased mother and her daughter who is missing. This was a dire situation for everyone. Police sort of canvassed the neighborhood, asking neighbors if they knew what could have happened, and as soon as they spoke to Gypsy's friend and neighbor, Aaliyah, they had a lead. So, Aaliyah told police that Gypsy had a secret online boyfriend and how she had warned her about meeting men online before. They were able to look up this boyfriend's Facebook page and were able to track his IP address, which gave them the location of his computer, aka the exact location of his home in Big Bend, Wisconsin, which was where Gypsy and Nick were currently hiding out. So, I do sort of feel bad for the police in this situation because here they are thinking they've hit the jackpot. You know, they've probably, they probably feel that Gypsy has been kidnapped. Hopefully she's still alive, but they think they're about to rescue this poor girl and save her. And boy, are they in for the surprise of their lives, right? Just a few hours later, Nick go to John's home was raided. Gypsy and Nick tried hiding in the bedroom closet, but they 
both ultimately decided to surrender. They were taken into custody and were both charged for the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. After realizing, of course, that Gypsy was there on her own free will. Now, once the community found out that Gypsy was alive and that she was safe, they made, you know, like a welcome home party, basically. They put up welcome home signs and really just had everything ready for her to arrive home. However, the following day, Green County Sheriff's Department held a press conference saying, things are not always as they seem. He said, please do not donate any more money to the GoFundMe and don't send anything else to this family because it may not be what it seems to be. They said to bear with them as they investigate the murder and just know that there's a lot more to this case than anyone could have realized. Very ominous, and I'm sure everyone was scratching their heads, including Gypsy's own father, Rod. Not long after the press conference, it came out through the media that Gypsy had never been sick at all and that she was seen walking into the police station in handcuffs, being charged for the murder of her own mother. And this sent absolute shockwaves through her community and just through anyone and everyone who had known their story. There is a two-hour-long interview from the day Gypsy was arrested and brought back to the police station for questioning. During that time, she tried to deny any involvement at first, claiming that she didn't know why Nick could have done this, blah, blah, blah. She acted like she had no idea that her mom was dead. However, when they told her that, she didn't really show any emotions. Eventually, though, the detective conducting the interview told Gypsy, like, look, Nick has told us everything, so it's time for you to be honest with us. So, Gypsy broke down and said she knew what happened. She didn't fully admit, you know, how much she was involved in the murder initially, but it would later come out, as we know. Both Nick and Gypsy were extradited back to Missouri and separately held on $1 million bonds. Gypsy's attorney managed to get her a plea deal where she would only face 10 years in prison if she confessed to second-degree murder. And that's exactly what she did. She pleaded guilty to second-degree murder on July 5, 2016. Nick, however, did not receive a plea deal, and his trial was set for November 2018. During the trial, we find out that Nick had an IQ of 82 on top of being on the autism spectrum. Now, the average IQ for an adult is between 85 and 115, although 70 is considered to be extremely low. So, he had a lower IQ, which we know. And despite these things, he didn't receive much sympathy for his actions. I mean, the text messages exchanged probably sealed his fate more than anything. Now, Gypsy did testify against Nick. She detailed every bit of her involvement. She explained that she was the one who asked Nick to kill her mother. She also explained her terrible childhood and what all her mother put her through. During the trial, she explained that she knew she could walk despite being forced to be in a wheelchair for the majority of her life, but it wasn't until after the full investigation and after her arrest that she did realize just how healthy she actually was. If I remember correctly, the only thing Gypsy really had an issue with was her eyesight, but I mean, who doesn't? She no longer needed her huge prescription glasses, and not only that, everything else her mother said she had, like the two biggest health issues being muscular dystrophy and leukemia, it was a lie. She she didn't have either one, let alone everything else she was told that she had. So Gypsy's tragic story really came out during Nick's trial. She explained that she truly felt there was no way out of her situation. 
She didn't want to have to kill her mother, but she didn't think there was another way. After a four-day trial, the jury had the option of finding Nicholas Godijan guilty or not guilty of either of the following. First-degree murder, second-degree murder, or involuntary manslaughter, including guilty or not of armed criminal action. After just a two-hour deliberation, they found Nick guilty of first-degree murder and criminal action. In February 2019, he was sentenced to life without parole, plus 25 years for the armed criminal action. Gypsy and Nick have both since done prison interviews. You can watch them the full Dr. Phil interview with Gypsy on YouTube. I definitely did. I couldn't find the full interview with Nick, but I found bits and pieces of it online. He said... Gypsy was basically the mastermind behind it all, which, I mean, you can't deny that. I was basically hired as a hitman, he said. He said, I love Gypsy to the point where I would do anything for her, and I've proven that with what I did. Unfortunately, because of how far I went, I feel as if she's betrayed me. I feel that she's abandoned me. Now, Gypsy has said that she has grown to hate Nick for what he did, She said that she did ask him, you know, yes, I did ask him to do it, but she felt he knew he could have got her out of her situation by calling the police. But instead, it's like he wanted to kill her. He wanted to kill someone. She felt that he had the choice and he made the wrong one. In 2019, it was reported that Gypsy was engaged to a man named Ken, who had been writing her in prison. However, on June 27, 2022, Gypsy filed for a marriage license and got married to a man named Ryan Scott Anderson on July 21st. Gypsy Rose Blanchard was released from prison December 28, 2023. Yep, just less than a month ago. Her father and stepmother picked her up from prison and are helping her re-enter society along with her husband, Ryan. She appears to be very happy and plans to live out her dreams that she never could before. And that is the story of Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard. I have not dove into all the more recent interviews with Gypsy, so... Feel free to dive into that. I know I'm diving into that a little bit more now that I've covered it. But from what I've seen, though, everything she said during the trial stays the same. I'm actually dying to know your thoughts on this episode, on this case in general. It's been a tough one to cover, honestly, a tough one to go through. And I have a lot of mixed emotions. It may be an unpopular opinion right now, but I don't fully agree with the happiness and the excitement that she's out of prison and moving on with her life. I mean, yes, I'm glad that she's out from under her mother's torture, essentially, but she still willingly plotted to kill someone. I mean, she has admitted that it was wrong and how looking back, she knows there was a better way out, but at the time she didn't feel that way. And I do understand that. And a part of me feels sympathy for her because I know she was brainwashed and made to feel that she couldn't do anything on her own. I mean, her mother told her she was never allowed to date or get married. And I'm sure she told her that she was certainly never allowed to leave her mom's home. So why would she not believe that? But I just struggle with everyone being so excited for her. I mean, 
a part of me is excited for her. And two, she served her time. I mean, she served the time for her crime. So it's not like she got away, you know, scot-free or whatever, the, whatever the saying is. But the, at the same time, I'm just not jumping for joy for someone who planned to kill their mother. Again, I have a feeling that's an unpopular opinion right now, so I apologize for those that don't feel the same, but let me know your thoughts. How do you feel about Gypsy and her story? Be sure to head over to the podcast Instagram or Facebook page to share your thoughts, and be sure to hit the follow or like button so you don't miss out on any episode updates or anything new related to the podcast, like say, my power's out or I'm out sick today, (laughs) something like that. Who knows what's going to come up next? Knock on wood, nothing too crazy. Hopefully this is the end of it and it's smooth sailing for the rest of the year. Am I right? But thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope that you were able to get through this episode with me, um, with my voice sounding a little nasally and I apologize for that, but, um, I was excited to cover this one. So I hope you guys liked it. Be sure to leave a five-star review if you're feeling generous and um, be sure to like the podcast or subscribe wherever you can. And as always, turn on any notifications or anything like that. Um, That way you don't miss any episodes coming out when they do. And that's going to be it. That's it for me this week, guys. I'll be back here in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, stay safe. Bye.